The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan weekdays from four on News Talk. Something that I actually asked to talk about because obviously we talk a lot about the housing crisis here in Ireland, uh, but I've spent a little more time in the states and have been traveling around the world, particularly uh, Australia uh, as well as the United States, and they talk about the same problems that we have here in Ireland uh, in relation to housing. So I wanted to talk to somebody about uh, the global aspects of the housing crisis uh, as well as uh, issues that are specifically related to Ireland. So I'm joined by Rory Hearn, who is assistant professor of social policy and Maynooth University and author of GAFs, Why No One Can Get a House. Uh, thanks for talking to us, Rory. Hey, Dad. How are you? Uh, thanks for being on. So um, first and foremost, uh, what are the very specific uh, uh, things that are going on internationally that uh, could one could say are sort of across the board issues around housing? Yeah, it's a really interesting question because it's not true that everywhere in the world is there a housing crisis. You mentioned there the states, you mentioned Canada, you mentioned, mentioned Australia. It is true that they have a housing crisis as well. But if you look at countries like Sweden or Denmark or even France, Germany, they don't have housing crises like we do have in what you might call the kind of Anglo-American countries. And you put Ireland in there as well. Mm-hmm. So the question is, what is going on? in Canada, in the US, in Ireland, in Australia, that is different from the likes of Sweden or Denmark. And, you know, every country has its own particular, you know, pathways and issues going on. But there's no doubt that when you compare the amount of, for example, social housing and public housing, that countries like the the Anglo-American, as they call them, including Ireland, we have a much lower amount of social housing And this isn't something that happened today or yesterday. It's really over the last 30 years, the countries that have kind of followed the home ownership route, this idea that everybody would become a homeowner, that housing should be provided through the market, people get it from the market, through the banks, that they've been the countries that have really hit problems. And and it is complicated, but in some ways it goes back to the 1990s and the 2000s when there was a huge expansion of credit globally, um, and particularly in these countries. And money flowed into housing markets, into property investment, and we had a huge expansion in home ownership. And also at that time, we had an expansion in people buying, becoming like what you call mom and pop landlords, people buying multiple properties. And that started, though, to lock out younger people, because as people bought multiple properties, someone had to rent them. And that became what we call now generation rent. And then, of course, we had the financial crash in 2008. So, so here, just, just to, can I just jump sorry. in? Why, no, no, I would, no, I only, I only want to jump in there because why did that not correct it? Because surely everything you're saying, that's actually quite plain to see in terms of how everyone gets into the housing market. But then you have this massive correction, 2008. How was that not the moment where the housing market reset itself? It, it didn't seem to reset itself. No, it didn't. And that's a really good point. For different reasons. One was that the financial system, the banks that had lent money and was giving out, you know, 100% mortgages. And, and anyone listening who who is in part of Generation Rent or Generation Stuck at Home at the moment will be just cringing and, and 
in frustration at the idea that people were given 100% you know, mortgages, they didn't even have to have a deposit, that after the crash, those banks were basically insolvent. That they had all these properties that, you know, and loans that were toxic. And so essentially, we've had a real constraint of credit for mortgage lending since the financial crash and also for private developers. But at the same time, there's been a huge expansion in credit for what you might call global real estate funds. So they have had access to money and credit and they have been able to buy properties. But ordinary people trying to buy a home and even developers looking to get finance to build housing haven't been able to. So the market didn't reset itself. And it was also how we went about recovering it. So, for example, the Irish government tried to focus on resuscitating the bank's balance sheet. So when rents started rising, when property prices started rising from 2013, 2014 onwards, rather than saying, OK, we need to control this, they said, OK, this is what we need because people need to get back into, um, you know, get rid of what they call negative equity, that banks need to get to recover the value of properties on their balance sheets. They need to sell off the toxic loans. Landlords who are in mortgage arrears need to be able to sell their properties. Rents need to rise to pay them. And so all the thinking was essentially, how do we recover the value of property and essentially <laughs> bail out the boomers? And rather than thinking, who's going to pay for all this? And it is generation rent who are. I mean, I, 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 was looking at, I was looking at your book. You're tough on the boomers now, in fairness. <laughs> you, you, you mustn't be able to go to golf clubs. <laughs> you must be public enemy number one. But anyway, uh, all, all joking aside, right? So I, listen, I, I see your point. You know, you, you name Sweden, you name Denmark. Straight away, we know that these are like very successful sort of uh, social democracies. So in co- the other countries that you mentioned, Canada, United States, you know, Ireland, UK, Australia, uh, if they are not, Clearly, they're not embracing that sort of social democratic system. What hope have they got uh, to fix the housing crisis? I think that what you're going to see is the housing crises get worse in these countries. And I would include Ireland in that. And, you know, you say I'm hard on the boomers. (laughs) (laughs) What I'm trying to point out is that some people have benefited from the housing crisis. And that means someone else loses out, unfortunately. Mm. Because if you're buying multiple properties, someone has to rent them. And so it's like this logic. Boomers were in a way sold a pup by the idea that you buy into property and it's a great investment and you get huge income. Yes, it is. But someone has to live in them and they're tenants' homes. And so I think unless we see a major change in our policy to, for example, protect tenants, um, you know, control and make rents affordable, and that means rents have to fall um, building social and public housing, then the crisis will get worse. And there does need to be, I think, a recognition from, you call them boomers, but also those, the housing system and politicians, the housing system in Ireland is broken. And I would argue it is in the States and Canada and the US as well, and, and Australia as well. It's broken for the younger generations. And the idea that they will somehow be able to compete and buy a home when they're stuck being tenants paying massive rents or, you know, there's not a building of social and affordable housing, I think is quite delusional in a way. So just specific to Ireland, because obviously Ireland's like, it's, it's a small country, really. And you would feel that on, on some level, there might be a, a simpler solution than a massive market like the United States. What is one, if you were to give one specific area that you feel could be easy to attack to, to help the situation, what would it be? I do think that the vacant housing 
you know, tackling that, the issue of there's 166,000 vacant homes and Portugal is just um, about to introduce a measure whereby if somewhere is vacant for two years, that essentially the state takes it off the owner and they rent it out. And and I think we need to look at measures beyond the quite small vacant tax rate that's there at the moment and look at how can we bring this huge stock of vacant and derelict properties into use. Actually, while I have you, how did you feel about the fact that... Uh yeah, was it the Flynn? It was a Flynn. He 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 got a, a break on on a ton of tax for undeveloped land. Uh, did did you notice that last week? Because I, I I was quite surprised because I thought we we're trying to encourage these people to develop, but I also didn't want to be too critical because I wasn't sure if actually he's being held back from developing those lands. We see there's a real issue around that. The question of you know is it viable to build because construction costs are so high, inflation is so high, and they have paid in some respects significant amounts for the land. But the other hand, I think you do need a significant land tax because the problem is people hold on to land and they wait for rents to rise or prices rise further before they build. But it comes back to the central question. We need homes and we need homes to be built. And if it's not profitable for a developer to build, then the state has to build. I just We've made ourselves completely dependent on the private market. And that's what Sweden and Denmark don't do. The state, local authorities, housing associations, they build housing regardless of whether it's profitable for developers or not. They ensure people's housing needs are met. Do you, do you think that the, uh, the, most people accept that the potential change of government uh, might be quite different to the way it is now? Do you think that the next potential government uh, has what it takes to, uh, to do that? I think it will have to. Because I think it's clear that the next election will be about housing. And if the next government doesn't deliver housing, it will be voted out again. But I do think our society can't withstand the level of what I call social catastrophe, human trauma. You know, people emigrating because they can't get a home. You know, people living in fear of eviction. This can't go on. Uh, But what, like, what... I read in your book that you're uh, talking about modular housing. Like, are are these solutions easy to implement? Like, will we be able to find the money? Of course we can. You probably just heard, like, we're running massive budget surpluses. They're talking about 25 billion in budget surpluses in the coming years. They put 4 billion aside into a, a rainy day fund. And I think that for me, it feels like the government is disconnected from the impact of the crisis. And that's where I do kind of think that there is a layer in society who don't really get what's going on. And therefore, they're not willing to take the quite radical changes that are needed. But surely the the young people who are clearly feeling it, they're the ones that are going to push the change. I mean, I, I feel like the pressure is coming from them. No, I think it is. I, I think there's a huge recognition across society that there needs to be change. But it feels to me like the government have been in power for so long. And these are the very ministers, you know, Simon Coveney, Pascal Donoghue, Leo Varadkar. They're the ones who brought in the investor funds, who decided that, you know, landlords were the ones needed to be prioritized. I think their mindset was just stuck and they have shown an unwillingness to really make that major change. Do, do you think uh, what Sinn Féin was bringing up this morning about the uh, uh, the cash, I, I don't know the actual name of the scheme, but you know, the offering cash to help people for uh, home purchase, uh, they, they were suggesting that uh, 
help to buy scheme, uh, they were suggesting that uh, it's actually uh, counterproductive, that, that the builders just jack up the price based on the money that the government gives. Do you agree with them? Yeah, the, the evidence shows from the UK that that's what happens, that when you give people a essentially additional borrowing to buy a home from private developers, private developers know what it is and they incre- increase the price accordingly. And the reason they brought in that scheme was essentially to subsidize private developers because developers told them it's not viable for us to build as what people can afford to pay or borrow. So therefore, we need you to give them additional money so they can cover the price we want to charge. So like, we really have made ourselves completely hamstrung and dependent on this concept of the profit, profitability, viability of delivering housing. When housing is a fundamental human need, it's a basic human right. You know, in the healthcare, for example, we don't say to people, you know, who are suffering from cancer or who are suffering from major illnesses and diseases, oh, sorry, the cost of medicines is too high. We can't, um, you know, provide you healthcare. We say, regardless of the cost, we ensure people have access to healthcare. We need to understand that it's the same with housing. Uh, great point to, to finish up the conversation. Thank you so much, Rory, uh, for coming on. Because this this was Thank my request. This me. was my personal request, so I, I really appreciate it. That was uh, Rory Hearn there uh, talking about the, the international aspects of the housing crisis. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan weekdays from four on News Talk.